All right. Well, this morning I'm going to wrap up the sermon that I've been working on for three weeks. So sometimes I call them serious. Sometimes it's like, it's a thought and I'm going to, I'm going to walk through this thought. So this is the end of the process that we've walked through. So the first week, we, we looked at the broad picture. Second week, we looked at just the, the, the realm that we're in. And so let me kind of catch you up. The first week, we talked about how we are in dispensations of time, uh, the dispensations of time. And, and you can break the Bible up however you want to. You can say we're under the law, under Moses. You can say... But just in this way, we look at it as dispensations, some that have already happened and one that is yet to happen, which is the millennial reign, the coming of Jesus Christ, the the tribulation, which we call revelations. All of that, we still have not even made it there. But we talked about in that first time where it began with innocence and moved to consciousness and where from the moment Adam and Eve fell, people lived by conscience. We know how bad the world was. And then finally, Noah had to build an ark. We moved from that to government, the Tower of Babel and all the things that went on until the time of Abraham. And Abraham was a season of promise where God began to tell him, look up as many stars as you see. That's how many children you're going to have. You're going to be the father of of nations. You're going to be all of these things. So promises became the mindset. The problem was it wasn't fully made to get to all the promises. Some of the promises required God to do things. Then we moved from promises to law, and from law to where we are now, which is the dispensation of grace. We are in the age of Gentiles, the age of grace, uh, the New Testament, different people call it by different things. But basically from here until the time Jesus returns, we are in a dispensation of grace. We are not under law, we are under grace. And we talked last week about what that looked like even in a smaller realm. Now, the first week was a larger. Second week, we talked about as a humanity, as the earth, as people of the earth, we are in a mindset that we either are going to live by grace or we're going to transfer or keep sliding back into something that is not eventually consciousness. We can't go back to innocence. That's the craziness of the world. The craziness of the world is that they're going to come up with some amount of law, some amount of society, some amount of something, and we're all going to go back to innocence. We're all going to love everybody, no matter what color we are, shape we are. We're all going to not steal anymore. Nobody's going to rob anymore. Nobody. How's that working? Because when you go back into consciousness, you don't get better. The heart of man is never satisfied. So hell is enlarged. People just come up with new creative ways to sin, creative ways to do bad things. That's just our nature. We, we learned last week two particular things. Number one, that we are messed up. You are tore up from the floor up. And you can wear a suit and you can comb your hair and you can, you can drive a nicer car, but you are. You don't want everybody to know all the crazy stuff you think, some of the stuff you've done, places you've been. You don't want anybody to know that, and I don't want to know that. So don't come up after church and say, I just feel like I need to tell you. I don't want to know because I'm not telling you all of mine. I'm just going to look at you like, oh, man, I hate that. And I'm thinking, I ain't telling you my stuff. We all have that because if we go back to consciousness, we all are whatever seems right, whatever seems good at the moment. And so last week we, we, we walked through that to the world to beat this, it number one has to face truth. The whole world, if it's going to change, to live in the dispensation of grace, which it's in, whether it likes it or not, and I'll show that in a second, to live in this dispensation of grace, the first thing you do is have to face truth. You can't change truth. We can't keep trying to rewrite the Bible and turn it into something or, or, or make it a rainbow Bible where everybody's in and, and you can be whatever life. No, no, you're going to have to just face truth. And then facing truth means you create a new way of thinking, a new way of treating each other, a new way of acting. From that, we understand that we need community. That's why churches are in the dispensation of grace. That's why there's pastors, teachers, evangelists, and all of these, for the perfecting of the saints. You don't need a Facebook page to get yourself right. You don't need TikTok. 
You don't need to find you some guru who's been married three times and, and, and he's your word of the hour. No. You need to face truth, create a new way of thinking, and be in a community that promotes truth. Not my truth, not, not what I think is right, but what the Word of God says. And he says, fourthly, to accomplish all of this, to try to face truth and a new way of thinking, and for the world to, to come together as a community, you'll only be able to do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. So to do this in yourself, you may see churches that says, well, we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to teach Bible memorization, and we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to do this, and we're going to go through all of these things. But without the Spirit, you're only fixing the outside and not converting the inside. So when somebody asks me, well, why do you argue the way you are? Because of that's right here. Because there's a lot of churches this morning talking truth. They're opening their Bible. They're telling the truth. Have no problem with that. There's a lot of churches this morning that have community. They have a church, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher. They have all these things. There, there are places that, that, you know what, we need to act different. We need to think differently. I, I agree with all that. But I also understand the Bible says it's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So without the power of the Holy Spirit and his presence working through your life, you're not going to be able to change on your own. You can make all the New Year's resolutions you want. They can be great ideas. I know I need to lose weight. My kids this, this year, that's what they did to me. I wear two eggs. I wear two eggs. All the clothes they got me this year, one eggs. Dad, those are the clothes you need to be wearing. Now, I've been working on it, working out something. So this is a 1X. So if somebody says, man, he looks like he's snug this morning, it's because I'm not the size I need to be yet. <laughs> but I'm headed that direction because I can't go the other way. So understanding, I may know that's what I need to do, but without the power to accomplish it, I can't make it. So today, I want to bring it even to the final stage of a Christian life. To just let you know that this is exactly how it works, this DeMar Hamlin thing is a beautiful illustration. I didn't create it. It was created by the world. If you've been watching it all, it's, it's, it's just it's so cool how everything I've been teaching you is true. DeMar Hamlin was a football player. He's successful. He's got everything. He don't need anything. He's a good guy. He's even got a, a foundation where he gives gifts and presents to a kid, and, and, and everything's good. He had almost $200,000 in that thing. He was, he was rolling. He got hit on the football field, in the chest. It skipped his heart, caused cardiac arrest. They get him back. He survives. They watch him actually die on the field and brought back to life. I mean, it was horrific. It was It was bad. Do you know what everybody in America did? Nobody complained. It was nobody that said, no, this is a, a we're separation of church and state. You didn't hear no garbage. You know what everybody said? Even on ESPN, this owned by Disney, we know how messed up they are. You can buy all the Mickey Mouse ears you want, but you are supporting some messed up folks. Even they had people on their TV programs. I'm going to pray openly. <gasps> really? On live TV? You're going to get sued. I don't care. Why? Because when it all is said and done, we live in the dispensation of grace. And guess what? His little $200,000 fund became almost $10 million. Now, guess what people do when they get their hearts right? Where, where the heart is, try to get a bunch of people that ain't got right hearts. You need to give. Oh, yeah. But you get them back into dispensation of grace, realizing God's all I got. God's all that I have. Then you know what? I'll give. I, I, I want to give. I want to be a giver. I, I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm getting back in church. I'm, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to. Really? It's not because we did anything. It's because of the age that we live in. 
Nobody pulled out little fat Buddhas and said, we all need to pull out little fat Buddhas and start praying. No. I didn't hear Islam. I didn't hear no criticism. All I heard was, we need to pray. We need to pray. And I'm thinking, I do it every day. Knock yourselves out. It really is good stuff. If you do it every day, it'll really change your whole life. And that's what, as a Christian, we have to, to wrestle with now. There's a song I used to sing when I, was, when I was first starting out, and a lot of my songs were not for people. You have to understand, a lot of the songs that I sung were not for people. They were because I was scared. I was 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, walking into churches, 200 people, people that had gray hair and, 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 and knew the Bible twice as good as I did, and I would walk into those churches, and I'm supposed to preach, and I'm supposed to teach, and I'm supposed to do all this, and, and we all have starting points. And me at 18 years old or, and, and, and all of those things, it was a totally different picture, and I would sing to relax. So Rough Side of the Mountain and some of the songs that you grew up hearing me sing was about me calming myself down and realizing who I was. And one of my favorites that, that I don't sing anymore, but I'm going to just kind of give you a, a snippet of it this morning, is the song, When Jesus is All That I Have. When Jesus is all that I have, it, it was a song that I sung for, for years, and I still, when I get in tar, dark times, I just start singing it within myself. I just start, and I'm just going to read some of it to you. So, so here's a couple of the first verses. It says this, I don't worry about the rain or the storm clouds or the trouble Satan has for me today. Though the very best in hell may rise against me, there's a greater power standing in his way. He said, I don't fret about the news or headlines or a world that has a devil yet to pay. I've been bought by the blood of the Savior, and I'll rest assured good news is on its way. And then I would go into the course. When Jesus is all that I have, he's all that I need, abundantly more than enough to face my enemies. When the storm clouds rise around me and the lightning flash about me, when the adversary drives me to my knees, when Jesus is all that I have, he's all that I need. And that became my, I, and, and it's just one of a hundred songs that I sing in my head. Some are hymns that I grew up hearing my mom and dad sing. Some, some are redback hymnals, some are, but all of them have a specific purpose in my life. And it's this one purpose to help me as a Christian realize what journey I'm on. Verse 3 goes like this. If you carry a heavy burden on your shoulder and you can't escape the chains that have you bound, if you hear Satan laugh through hollowed promises, let me tell you of the victory that I found. When Jesus is all I got, he's all I need. This is the message that the world has to find out ever so often, just like with, with Damar. Well, what are we going to do? Doctor can't fix it. Well, what are you going to do? We, we can't, buy, can't spend enough money to make it right. When God is all I got, I realize he's really all I ever needed. And that's the story of your life in the dispensation of grace. And as Christians, we have to come to that understanding. Let me see this morning if I can get you just to understand where we are to be. And then I want to show you how we get to where we're to be. Is that okay? As a Christian, I want to show you a, a picture of where you're supposed to be. And then I want to show you how you get there. So number one, when we talk about being there, go with me to Romans 5, 1 through 5. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Here's what it says. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this what? Into this grace. We have access into this grace in which we stand. 
So grace is not this unmerited favor. Here again, I keep telling you all that. When the word grace is used, it's not used as unmerited. I stand on grace. I overcome by grace. I'm victorious by grace. It is the ability to do what I cannot do within myself. He says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Wow. So I realize that when our trial is coming, when problems come, when difficulties come, I'm like, thank God. Thank, thank God. Why? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, when you see a Christian that don't have good character, you may tell you their problem. They don't have problems. When you see a Christian that's not living by good character, I'll tell you his problem. He does not have good problems. You bring a good enough problem and he'll become a good Christian again. It's real simple. So anytime somebody's going through something, I don't get upset. I don't get arguable. I don't, I don't, why did God let cancer come up? Hmm, there's a reason. If God allowed it, then God's trying to get something good out of it. All I know. If, if, if God let it happen, then God's trying to fix something and somebody through it. It may hurt you immensely. It may cause you enormous pain. But he says, you may not can see it, but I'm doing something through it. For all things work to good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his, neither he's lying or you're lying. Or Romans is lying. So whatever it is you're facing today and whatever struggle it is today, you need to raise your hand and say, thank you, God, that you thought that I needed to go through this. Ooh, that's tough, Brother Lot. It's okay. Because I've sung that song, I told you, and through a lot of problems. And you tell you when I sung it best is when it hurt the worst. Those days I was just singing it like, oh, I got to sing this song. But there were some days I got up and said, guys, I'm going to try to get through this song. I'm gonna, I may break down in the middle of this thing. But when I sung it then, it came out in a different way. It came out through power because God says, listen, this is the way I grow you. This is the, the way that it works. And perseverance, character, and character produces. So what we do is we backwards it. We, we think, well, I got a lot of hope, so therefore I'm going to act right. No, no, it doesn't work that way. What you need is a big enough problem to create perseverance where you're either going to quit or not quit. And perseverance then, when you decide, I am not quitting, it's going to produce character, and character then will give you hope. I talked about working out a while ago. It's a very simple illustration. So how does working out start? Well, I hope, Brother Lord, I can get through it. See, that's the way guys, when I work out with them, that's the way they start. I hope I can make it. I don't know. I'm going to try. I'm, gonna, I'm like, oh, you're starting the wrong side. Where do you need to start? The problem. Are you fat? Yes. <laughs> you want to be fat? No. You know what fat's going to do to you? Oh, it's probably going to die of heart disease early. You want to die of heart disease? No. Then you got a Every time you look in the mirror, I'm going to die. <laughs> Every time I buy a Coke, I'm going to die. <laughs> and eventually, the problem causes you to gain perseverance. I'm going to start working out. I'm just going to start. I'm just going to hang. I'm just, I'm, I may not can do much. I may not be perfect, I may not, but I'm, I'm just going to start clawing and scratching. I'm going to get there. I am not dying like this. I am not going to a 3X. I'm going to a 1X. <laughs> By the grace of God. <laughs> See, prayer becomes easy then. By the grace of God. 
So then when I persevere, it creates character. Eventually what happens is I just work out. Why do you like working out? Why do you like doing P90X? I don't know. I've just done it so long. That's just who I am. I'm 55 years old. I still quote everything on them tapes. Burning off the goo, the goop, the gut. I'm like, it's all in my head. Why? Because the problem produced my perseverance, which created my character. So it doesn't matter if I walk in there with an 18-year-old or I walk in there with a 60-year-old. Let's do it. And it's not because I'm better. If I'm in there with an 18-year-old and I can outwork them, it's not because I'm better than them. It's because I have more character than them. I have more character than them because I see the reason to do it. At 18, I didn't see no reason to work out. Why are we doing this? Let's go get some pizza. Why are we doing this? But the problem created perseverance, which created your character, which produces hope. My life will change. I will be better. Because of all that I'm doing, it will, and Paul says this is exactly the way it works in your Christian life. Do you need to change? Is there things that need to, to be adapted? If there is, then it produces perseverance. And you need perseverance because it produces character. And your character then will produce your hope. And hope then, now hope, verse 5, does not, that's why we like to get to that. If we can ever get to hope, man, we got it. What are you hoping for? Man, I can't wait till Jesus comes back. There's some of you in this room that death doesn't even scare you. You you just, death is 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 a wonderful thing. Why? Because I have hope in that. I have hope the moment I quit breathing here, I'm going to heaven. You can't scare me with death. But that did not come because you just woke up one day with hope. It happened because you first had to get in church and you first had to start reading the Bible and you first had to do all. And the perseverance of what you've done has produced character. It's just who you are. And that produced your hope. Does that make sense? Because love, the love of God has been poured out on our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So all of this through the Holy Spirit is all this possible. That's why through Him I can change. Through Him I can be renewed. Through Him my mind can... Now let me show you real quickly the things that as you mature you are supposed to be. Number one, you should be settled... Concerning God being your father. You should not see yourself as alienated or away or he doesn't care. But you should see yourself as sons and daughters of God. When I have fully grown and I've become what God wants me to be, I see myself as a son of God. I got a stone from Israel that sits on my desk. And on the bottom of it, I wrote, son of God. That's who I am. It's not for debate. I'm not even caring what you think. That's what I know. That's what Romans 5 and 10 tells me. Number two, that you should be settled concerning Christ the Son. Because here's what Ephesians says, but now grace has made us nearer and united with the Lord. So it settles within me that I have Jesus on my side. Not only does God the Father care about me, not only does, am I a son of God, but I'm also part of the family of Christ. I'm part of his, his lineage. Number three, concerning the Holy Spirit. Now he makes us his temple and abides in us. There was a time where we were not clean. There was a time where I was not whole. There was a time when I was not able to hold the Holy Spirit. But since I was saved and brought into the family of God and since I'm part of the family, the Holy Spirit now resides in me and I am the walking, talking temple of the Almighty God. Number four, concerning the law. 
The law once was where I lived. From Moses to the time of Christ, the law is what held us. But now we are no longer under the law, but under grace. I live in grace every day of my life. Look at the person beside you and say, do you live under grace every day of your life? Now understand, this is not unmerited favor. Yeah, I live under grace. I don't have to worry about anything. No, no. This is the ability to do what you can't do. Number five, concerning the power of sin. I have to settle within me this understanding of the power of sin. Here's what Romans 6, 14 and 15 tells us. But now its guilt has been cleansed and its power broken. We are free from sin. Doesn't mean I don't make mistakes, but what it means is, is that I don't lay there. It's not my natural person anymore. The natural person used to be bound to sin. The natural person couldn't quit sinning. Take it back to the exercise. There once was a time I looked in the mirror and I saw myself and I saw what I was and I saw I was overweight and I saw I was dying of heart disease and I saw all this and yet within me there was nothing, no power to change it. You ever meet people that they're bound they're bound. They, they, they cannot go free. You can convince, you can say, oh, you can do it. You can, no, I can't. And you're like, come on, you just got to say it. You got, I'm saying it, but you don't understand. I don't believe it. But thanks be unto God, as the Holy Spirit has come into my life, as I have been brought into the family of God, that I'm an heir and a joint heir through Jesus Christ, that I am a son of God now. Now the Holy Spirit has come in and he has shown me that not only am I all these things, but that sin, when he walks in, sin gets pushed out. So that even if I do something out of my natural mind, as we studied in Paul, out of my natural mind, I want to do right, but I messed up and do wrong, then, then, then what's, what am I going to do? I get up. I'm not bound to it. There's not one of you in this room that can look at me in the face. And if you say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't look me in the face and say, but Brother Lot, you know I got these things. No, you don't. You may still want them and you may still be wrestling with them, but none of those things have you anymore. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You are free. You may not know it yet. You may not have convinced yourself yet. You may not have, as we said, transformed your mind, transformed the way you think. You may not have, have got the Holy Spirit operating right yet. But listen to me. From the moment you were saved, you were set free. That way, whatever comes against me, and it says, I'm going to get you. Oh, when Jesus is all that I got, he's all I need. There's not an enemy, a problem, a frustration. There's not a trial that I'm not stronger than now. Greater is he that is in me than he that is. Y'all know these scriptures? I just don't have time to go to all of them. Number six, concerning this present world. I hear so many Christians talking about, oh, this world, this world, this world. I want you to quit messing with it. You're not of it anymore. That's one of the promises. Ephesians 2, 2 through 6 tells us that the Bible says that in times past, we walked according to the course of the world, which was a broad way leading to destruction. That's the way we used to walk. But now we have been delivered out of it. Not only were you delivered out of sin, but from the pressure of the world. I don't care what the world thinks. I don't care what they say about me on Facebook. I don't care what they put out about me next. I've moved beyond that. And if you're in this room today, you're going to have to, this is what it looks like to be living in hope. To live where I'm just told you, to move from a problem to perseverance to character to hope. To live in hope. 
means that I've passed through these areas and now I am settled in them. Number seven says this, concerning the trials and afflictions that I must go through. See, by God's grace, we no longer are surprised and reject life's troubles and problems. We know that all things, as I just read to you, that all things work to good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That we glory, says Romans 5, in tribulations. Why? Because we're not under the same stress that the world is through problems. We don't see problems the same way. The world looks at problems as messing up their heaven. This is the world's heaven. You're messing up my heaven. Somebody stole my heaven. We look at trials and tribulations as preparing us for heaven. Everything I've been through has made me who you will see today. The good, the bad, the troubles, the the disappointments, the struggles, all of it. And I wouldn't change any of it. There's a few of them I wish I could skip. A few of them I may have brought on myself. God said, I didn't do that. You did that one. But it's okay. I'm going to teach you in it anyway. Just going to be a little rougher this way. And I understand that. But none of the things that God allows or will allow in my life does he say that I did this to kill you. No. He said, I did this to grow you. God, why don't you just make me skinny? Because I wanted you to learn how to work out. And I wanted you to learn how to take care of yourself. And look how much you've learned about eating right and doing right. You even teach people about that. Look how much you've grown just by not having to not go through it. It's the going through it that makes life what it is. When I, when I come into full hope, it is also concerning good works. I don't do any good works anymore. I don't, I don't do anything to try to impress God because I'm already a son. I don't do anything to try to impress Jesus. I'm already part of his heir. I don't, I don't do anything to impress the Holy Spirit. He already lives inside of me. Then why am I doing good works? I do good works because I am now partnering with the Almighty God. Everything I get to do, it's partnering with my dad. It's partnering with him. It's getting to watch him do something that he loves to do, which is to win the whole world, to transform the world, to bring the world into himself. And he says, Tim, I want you to be part of that with me. And I'm like, yeah. Now, I may have to send you through trials. That's okay. I know those trials are only there to make me shine better so that people can see me better. The darker it is, the brighter a light bulb looks. I understand that, Lord. But I'm not working anymore to impress you. I'm working because I get to be with you. That's full maturity. Concerning death, praise God, we know now death has been vanquished. It's been defeated. We don't have to worry about it. To be absent from the body, Kenneth, is to be where? Present with the Lord. We we go be with Him. What am I worried about? I'm a winner. He's taken away all of this, all of these troubles, and even concerning judgment. We, as His beloved children, have been given boldness, not only for now, but one day to boldly walk up to the throne room of grace in reality. And for him to say, well done. And for us to see him as our father. To see him face to face. That's what the next dispensation of time means to me. It doesn't, for some of the world, it's like, oh, it's a tribulation to destroy. Anybody watch horror movies and stuff? Well, that's what they talk about. Well, you know it, there's coming a time when demons and all this... Well, that's great. That ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm part of his family. The next dispensation to me only means I get to see Jesus. 
The only dispensation of time means to me is that I finally get to go home. So you think I'm worried about the next judgment? Yeah, I'm going to lose some things. Yeah, God's going to tell me, Tim, man, I wanted you to get this done and you should have. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some stuff that I thought was good. He's going to burn it up and he's going to say, that wasn't real. And there's going to be some stuff that he's going to say, now that was real. It's going to go through the testing and it's going to become like pure gold. And one day when I get into heaven, he's going to say, now this is what you did. And son, I'm so glad you got, I'm glad we got to work together. Look what you did. This is the fullness, the hope that is in every true Christian. If you're here this morning, this is the hope that God wants you to have. But how do I get there, brother? How do I get to where you're talking about? Was two words, two words that you're going to have to know backwards and forwards and understand backwards and forwards. Number one is perseverance. Look at that person beside you and say, you're going to have to learn to persevere. You've you got to quit trying to escape it. You've got to quit trying to lie your way around it. You've got to quit trying to avoid it. you just got to embrace it. I use a story all the time of when Taylor was young and he was going to tote some furniture with me. And it was a pretty good piece of furniture. It was a, it was a dresser. So it wasn't just some little light thing. It was, it, was pretty, it was a pretty good dresser. And Taylor was strong enough by then to do it. That wasn't the problem. But I knew what the problem would be because when I grabbed it, I realized at the bottom of it was just a real thin, smaller piece. And it was kind of cut at an angle so it was sharp. It wasn't like some big old something to grab a hold of. It didn't have handles at the bottom. You had to grab it, and you knew that when you grabbed it, it was going to... And me and him, I said, son, are you ready? I'm ready. I can pick it up, Dad. I said, I know you can. See, I never doubted that. I know you can pick it up. I said, but we got to walk to the house with it from the shed. I got it. All right. We both grabbed it. And we got about halfway. And he said, I gotta let it. And he said, he just let it down. And he's like, oh. And I looked at his hands and man, two big red lines across it. And I thought, yeah. And I showed him mine. I said, yeah. I said, Taylor, you know the difference between a boy and a man? I said, the difference between a boy and a man. I said, when a man grabs it, he won't let it go. I said, remember that. When you grab it, you don't let it go. There's another word for that. It's called perseverance. And Jesus and God says, you better have perseverance. Paul says, perseverance. Now, Taylor now, he's grown. He can, he can grab the other end of that thing. And not only is he strong enough, but now he's mentally. In fact, that day, he looked at me and said, let's do it. And I said, you sure? It's going to hurt. I said, it's not going to kill you. I said, but it's going to hurt. He said, I could, and he helped me tote it the rest of the way. He looked at his hands later like, oh. And I said, I know it hurts, but there's no other way around. You've got to persevere to get it from here to there. And in your growing, what's the difference between a man that can stay married and a man who divorces? It's whether you can grab to it and hold. The difference between a man and a boy. I meet boys all the time. I don't meet many men. Men are world changers. Men are family changers. Men are... And I'm thankful we got a bunch of them in this, in this church. We wouldn't be the church we are without those kind of men and women. Full grown. Grab a hold of it. Let's just do it. Sometimes they scare me. They're like, let's just build it. I'm like, no, let's not. They're like, we can do it. I'm like, I'm not sure I can grab it and hold on to it. You can't all come on, quit whining. Because me and talk to each other that way. You ever notice? Quit your whining, big old baby. You me go get your wife? Ain't nothing worse than that. You me get your wife to come do it for you? 
We use other phrases. We ain't going to talk about those. (laughs) But it's all the same thing. Aren't you man enough to grab it and hold on to it? Or are you going to let go? Go with me in your Bibles to Mark 4, 14 through 20. And I'll show it to you in a story. Jesus tells it a lot better than I do. The sower sows the word. So somebody came along and sowed good word. Sowed the word into your heart. Gave you truth. Gave you a new way to think. Gave you the Holy Spirit. He he gave you what you needed. The sower came and sowed the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, they hear the word. Some of you in this room, you hear what I'm saying. But this moment you hear it, Satan immediately comes and takes the word away that was sown in your hearts. Immediately he comes along and says, you know that ain't going to work for you. You know how many times you tried, you failed. You know you're not like Pastor Lot. Pastor Lot's made a different stuff. You, you're nothing like that. You're, you're a quitter. You've been a quitter all your life. You come from a family of quitters. The enemy immediately, the moment I say it, he's already, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's some of you in this room that are going to have to make sure your ground is tilled. What do I need to do? I would get up before church. I wouldn't just drag in here and I wouldn't just try to run in here and get in here. Now, some of you have hard ground. So what you need to do is before church ever starts, an hour before church, when you're driving here, you need to start playing Christian music. You need to already practice praying. You need to already practice reading some words. You already need to get that ground tilled up so that by the time you walk in this door, all that's in your mind is, I'm going to hear something today that's going to change my life. I am going to hear something today that's going to be life-changing for me. Now, I know all of you probably walked in that way, right? You just walked in the door. Today, life changed. I'm fixed to get it. Ah, it's coming. I know that's the way you came in. You didn't come in like, oh, Lord, it's cold this morning. I don't know why I had to get up. Why could God have to make it so cold? I know you didn't do that. I know you were ready. But there might have been one of you. Well, the enemy hopes that you're that way because before you ever get out that door, he will already start picking it away from you, telling you that's not for you. You can't do it. You know how messed up you are. You know what you did last week. You know what you did last night. And you know some of the stuff you've been saying. And you can't be that person. And the enemy robs you. Listen to what he says. And these are the ones by the wayside immediately steals it out of the heart. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. There's some of you in this room that's like, man, that's good stuff, Pastor Lot. I'm telling you, I've took notes today. I got it. I'm telling you, I've done decided. I'm changing. I, you go back to your car, change it from country back to Christian. Man, you were fired slap up. Woohoo! I got it. And likewise, one sown on stony ground, go back who when they heard the word immediately received it with gladness and they had no, ah, no perseverance. See, the first group can't have perseverance because it can't get in. The second group can't have perseverance because they don't want to get rid of the stuff they know is fighting against the word. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's a, something that happened to you in your past. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were... But it's a stronghold. It's set up inside of you that makes you feel less than or makes you feel like you're not as good as or you just can't make it or, or you always fail. And he says what happens is, is this person hears the word with gladness. Man, this is what I need. They're not, they're serious. Oh, I need this so bad. And so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arise for the what? For the word's sake. The word says one thing, but your rocks say another. The word says, forgive your enemies. You don't know what they did to me. The word says, hey, pay your tithes, trust me. I ain't got enough money to hardly pump gas. Every time the word comes and says do, your rock says no. 
We don't do that. And eventually you're offended. Maybe it's one of my sermons. Maybe we got the air conditioner too high or too low. or Maybe the music's too loud. Maybe something. Maybe you couldn't find a parking place out there and you're just getting frustrated. I'm just tired of coming here. But let me explain what will happen eventually. Look at the person beside you and say, you will get offended. That's just nature. You got them rocks in you. And so endure for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the world. Immediately they, they stumble. And now these are the ones that are among the thorns. And they are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. There's certain things that I just don't want to let go. This deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke it out. You know what? I still want to keep my friends. They were never your friends. They're good running buddies. But they have nothing to break your life better. Yeah, but I mean, I've been with them. I know. They're like thorns that wrap around the tree. The tree looks fine. It's big, healthy. Then there's this big old vine. It just wraps. And eventually you start saying, see, it's green. No. That's not the tree that's green. That's the vines that's green. The tree, if you look real close, the limbs are already turned brown and they're already dying. There's some people, because they don't want to let go, they keep getting choked out. And it's frustrating. I'll give you a way you'll know these people. They'll snap at you. They'll snap. They'll get, they'll get angry at moments. Because you'll look at them and say, why don't you just quit that? Why don't you stop? Don't tell me what I need to do. Don't tell me. Listen to me. They'll snap at you. Because they, you're reminding them that they're dying. A slow death. And it frustrates them. You know, two weeks before Elvis Presley died, somebody came and visited him and prayed with him. He told them that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to quit this thing and I want to get into ministry. Jensen preached a great sermon on it years later after he died. We all went to Winterfest and heard it. The Spirit of Python. It was a beautiful illustration of how it just kept getting tighter and tighter I'm going, to, I'm, going, I'm going to get loose from it. I'm telling you, I'm going to quit doing that for long. Just, just not right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be this way always. And One day they found him dead on a bathroom floor. Choked out. The last is the group that hears the word of God and receives it with gladness. And I love how it says this, but these are the ones sown on good ground who hear the word, accept it, and bear what? Fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100, some double themselves. But they'll all produce fruit, whether it be through their kids, through their lives. They're going to produce fruit. Because that's what you were born to do. I am the vine, you are the branches. He whoever's in me will produce much fruit. Hebrews 3, 6 through 8, and I'm going to try to wrap her up. I've got about four more hours, but I ain't. We've gone far enough. Hebrews 3, here's what it says. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, whose house we are, if what? Jesus says, I'm, I'm the king of this house now. I am the king of grace. I'm over this thing. But the only way you can live in it and the only way you can be in it is if you will do what? Hold 
Hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of the tribulation in the wilderness. And here's the story he gives. He says, Moses and the children of Israel never entered in rest. They were supposed to enter in rest. They were supposed to come to God and God was supposed to, if they would just persevere and just hang in there, hang, I'm going to fix everything. I just need you to hang in. But the moment things started to go bad, as soon as the water got a little low, as soon as they didn't have biscuits anymore, something was going on. Oh, we need to all go back to Egypt. It's, God's not going to, God's going to kill us all. They would quickly quit. He said they never entered rest. Hope is rest. Hope is rest. I don't have to fight. Why, Brother Lot? I'm already victorious. I don't have to earn anything. I just have to persevere. This morning, all you have to do is persevere. And one other thing, there's two things I told you. Number one is perseverance. Number two is prayer. Go with me to Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, verses 11 through 16. I'll show it to you in one picture and I'll be done. And I'm not going to preach this part. You just have to, we'll catch it on a Wednesday. I'm out of time. Let us therefore be diligent to do what? To enter that rest. You had to persevere to enter that rest. You don't enter that rest by accident. You persevere to enter rest. Let anyone fall, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. He's talking about the children of Israel. He's saying just like the children of Israel all died in the desert because they would not persevere and they would not pray. Let us therefore be diligent to do this, for the word of God is like a powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. I love how when people use this scripture, they always use it against sinners. But it's not about sinners. It's about those that God says, if you will let the word of God enter into your heart, it will cut loose the things that don't, it will remove stones. It will cut vines that's choking you out. It, you as a Christian, it will allow you to grow into the hope that I want you to do. It will allow your perseverance to become character, to become hope. He's not talking to sinners. For the word of God is a living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Verse 13. Here's what he says. And there is there no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to his eyes to whom we must give an account. There's nothing you're hiding this morning. There's nothing I'm hiding. There's nothing we're trying to get around or escape. God says, I see it all. Who do you think you're fooling? Pastor Lot, he don't count. I know. Therefore, seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our what? Confession or profession. There goes that perseverance, but now perseverance in itself isn't enough. Just notice for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without. He says, I understand, Tim, just like I preached last week, you're weak. And there's times you're going to fall. And I take that into consideration as you're following me. I, I, I don't cast you out just because you, we're in the age of grace. I'm here to grow you, make you into the person I want you to be. Let us therefore then knowing this, Come boldly to the throne of grace. Oh, there's that word again. We, we hold and we fight to obtain grace. 
But we also do what? Come boldly to the throne room that we might receive grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of, that's called prayer. Two things you're going to have to have if you're going to make it into the maturity. Two things I have to have, I'm going to wear extra large shirts. I'm going to have to persevere. And perseverance then will do what? Create my character. And my character then will give me... God says, listen, to be the Christian you want to be, I'm not looking for you to make a resolution. I'm never going to do nothing. I don't need that. What I need you to do is I need you to decide this morning you will persevere. Are you man enough or are you woman enough to grab hold and not let go? Yeah, but I'm going to mess up. That's okay. Sometimes if it hurts, just let it go for a second. It's like, I'm not as strong as you, Jesus, but I ain't quitting. Grab it again. Let's get five more feet if I have to set it down, but we're going to get there. Because eventually my perseverance will show you my character. And in my times of need, in my times when I'm holding something and it hurts. What do you do then, brother? What does a man do? What does a woman do of God? Because I don't want you to think, well, brother, it's just easy for you. No, let me tell you something. It hurts me just as much as it does. When I showed Taylor my hands that day, I was showing him that it cut me just like it cut you. We both hurt, son. What were you doing? I was praying. Lord, help me get there. Oh, just two more steps, just a few more steps. And God says, the way you overcome this world and the maturity is you first decide, I will persevere. And secondly, I will pray without ceasing. And the bigger the problem, the easier it is to pray and the harder it is to persevere. And the easier the problem... The easier it is to persevere and the harder it is to. How do you know that, Brother Lot? Because it's amazing how when somebody puts food in front of you, nobody wants to pray over it. But I guarantee you if I set you outside for five days and I said, you need to pray, we get some food. I bet you say, if God sends some food, I'll pray. Problems bring better prayer. Lack of problems bring better perseverance. And they're always in the balance. Some days my prayer seems like, man, I could pray for anything. God's been doing good. Man, let me pray for everybody. I'm telling you. And then there's days like, you want to pray? Oh, Lord, no, he ain't answering nothing. I've been praying lately. And then there's some days people say, you feel like giving up? Oh, I never think about giving up. Praise God, I'm ready to go on home. And then there's some days, you think about giving up? I'm telling you what, I'm hanging on by a thread right now. I'm, 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 this, this thing is about to kill me. And if you'll understand that, that is the process by which God uses to grow your character and your hope. And it's called grace. Will you stand? The best story I can, I can give it to you in, and maybe this is one you've heard before, it's not a new story, but it's one of my favorites when I talk about this. There was once a boy who was wanting to get a dog. His dad told him, okay, son, you, you're, you're getting old enough to get a dog. And There was a guy down the road that had puppies for $25 a piece. $25 a piece. Dad drove him over there and... He walks up to the man. He said, sir, this is going to be $25. He said, yes, son. He said, these are $25. And he said, he said, he said, where are they at? He said, hold on. He called him. There come the mom. Right behind her was like four little puppies falling down and coming over. And he was like, oh. And then around the corner came this 
three-legged one. He had all four, but one leg didn't work. He, he, was, he was trying to keep up, but just he was out of time. And the boy said, what's wrong with that one? He said, well, I took him to the vet the other day, and he was born without a hip socket. He, he, just the way he's always going to be that way. He, he, he just, he's never going to be everything, he, but, but he'll learn to run. He'll learn, but he'll never be perfect. And the boy says, I'll take that one. The man said, son, you don't understand. That one, that one's never going to be right. He's got a bad leg. He's never going to be right. The boy says, that's okay. And he pulled up his britchy leg and he had a brace on his leg. He said, I understand. He's going to need a lot of love. And he's going to need a lot more care. But that's okay because I understand. The man said, you take that one. He's free. Because I know you'll take good care of him. That's what Jesus did to us. All the good ones came running around the corner. And there I come falling over myself and three-legged and the world saying to that one, that one right there ain't ever going to be right. You pick that one, I'm telling you, that right there, that's, that's, it's going to cause you trouble. And Jesus looked down and said, I'll take that one. Because that one's going to need a lot of love. And I know what they've been through. Because I'm a high priest who's went through every trial that there has been. And I know how hard it is. And I feel their pain. And I'm the perfect person to love that one. Do you understand that's what Jesus does for you? He comes to where you are. Loves you at that spot. And then grows you to where he knows you can be. That's grace. The ability to be what you cannot be in yourself. To do what you cannot do in yourself. And it's the greatest miracle that ever came into the world. If you're in this room today and you need grace. You feel like that puppy that runs around the corner. It's like, God, you, you really don't want me. You, only you know all the stuff I've done. Only you know the crazy thoughts in my. Only you know what I struggle with. Only you know my imperfections. Only you know. He said, that's okay. Let me put my word in you. Let me put my spirit in you. Let me guide you in truth. And let me show you what I can make of your life. If you're in this room today with every head bowed and you say, Pastor, that's me. And I'm ready to accept grace. Because I, I can't do it in myself. I've got hard spots. I can't do it. I got rocks. I can't do it. I got thorns and briars and vines growing all around and I need him, then you're the perfect candidate for the grace of God. If you're in this room as I pray a prayer, just God forgive me. You can pray this along with me. I've never been one that's so big on just doing outward stuff. I, don't, I think it's wonderful and there's times when we need to, but I believe where you're standing right now, you can make that decision you can be man enough or woman enough to grab hold right now and say, I will persevere. I'm not perfect. I'm not claiming. I may let it down. I may fall, but I'll get back up. I will persevere until my character 
becomes that. Until my hope becomes that. If you'll pray this with me. Father, I come to you because if you're all that I've got, you're all that I need. Through all of my life's troubles and trials, through my failures, my sins, God, take them all. You are my sacrifice, Jesus. You're the only one that can pay the price for them. And I believe that right now as I ask you, I believe that not one sin is left in my life, that I am free. But you are also, Jesus, my high priest. And from this moment on, I want to follow you. Teach me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Grace strengthened me that I might run my race and finish my race where my crown is laid up waiting for me. I thank you that as I rise today, I rise in you. And as I walk today, I walk in you. And all the good that comes from me is because of you. Let you get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Hey, if you get a chance this week, why don't you just give that old devil fits?